Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast with me, Phil Saker. We are back in Romans today, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And uh, this week, Paul is turning to think more about the practical outworking of the gospel. He turns from explaining what the gospel is and now focuses on how it should make a difference in our lives. And today we're going to look at an overview of that and then think about what that means in terms of our gifts and serving others. So that's what we're going to be thinking about in the uh, in the sermon today. And just to let you know that um, if you'd like to support Understand the Bible, there's a whole page uh, down below explaining how you can do that. And there is more content available on the YouTube channel. It has been a little bit quiet over the last couple of weeks, but uh, God willing, all things will resume next week. So do keep an eye on the YouTube channel if you haven't uh, subscribed already and look at that as well, as there's more content available there. Thanks so much, everyone. I hope that this sermon is a blessing to you. And if you could, don't forget to leave me a rating, even a review, as that will help other people to find the podcast too. Thanks so much and God bless. So the question that we're thinking about today is, how does the gospel make a difference in our lives? How does the gospel make a difference? When I was at college, I remember one of the things that I learnt about preaching was you've got to answer the question, so what? Now, at the end of the day, you might find it very interesting to look at, you know, Ezekiel chapter whatever, you know, and think about, you know, all of the the theology of it. But if it doesn't actually make a difference to people's lives, there's no, there's no point. That people uh, in the, you know, in the congregation are going to be coming and thinking about their situation at work on a Monday, their situation with their family and, and so on and so forth. People want to know this is, yeah, that's that's interesting, but what difference does that make to my life? How do I live now in the light of what I've heard? And that is what we are going to be thinking about today. We're going to be, uh, Paul being a, a master preacher, you know, he knew that and, you know, he spends the last sort of three chapters, well, chapters um, 12 to 15, really answering that question of what difference does the gospel make? And that's what we're going to be uh, starting to think about today. And what he does is he gives an overview in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then he moves on to to various different sort of, um, to various kind of uh, examples. And so we're going to be looking at the first example that he gives. But over the next few weeks, we'll we'll carry on looking at um, various other other examples. Uh, So Paul starts out by saying, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So he says, therefore, which connects it with everything that's happened um, previously. And you remember last week we were thinking about God's mercy and how God uh, was to have mercy on you know, Jew and Gentile. And he, he bound some over to, uh, to disobedience so that he might have mercy. Um, and the what what Paul was calling for there was humility, you know, not looking down on anybody, but actually remembering God's grace. And really, you could say that that was like a summary of the whole book of Romans so far, the first uh, 12 chapters of Romans. And that is actually what Paul is, is referring to here. He says, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that we've been thinking about over the past few weeks, he says, therefore, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
So what he says is, as a result of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what he's saying is that we need to respond to God's grace. God's mercy to us calls for a response in us. Now that's something that's uh, really important because, you know, I've been a pastor, you know, been around in churches for long enough to know that sadly there are uh, times when that does not happen. Then, you know, when people do not seem to, to respond to God's mercy. And unfortunately, I can, you know, think of uh, a number of people who you know, have just turned up in church on a Sunday, but then you know, the gospel hasn't made a difference to their lives the rest of the week. And this is actually not uncommon, I think, in churches today. But what Paul says is that the gospel needs a response. You know, we don't just turn up to church on a Sunday, but we need to respond day by day to God's mercy in every area of our lives. We actually need to offer up our, our lives as a living sacrifice. You know, you think about the, the ingratitude that it shows if we, we think about God's mercy, but don't respond to it. It may be the closest analogy, actually, that I could think of was that of a parent uh, with, with a child. You know, you think about uh, a, a young child, you know, a newborn baby. A newborn baby is utterly dependent on its parents for everything. And then as it grows, it becomes less dependent. But that child is still very heavily dependent on its parents to provide until, you know, he or she is, is old enough to, to fend for itself. And, you know, parents have to give up a lot for their children. You know, parents have to sometimes give up careers they have to give up money. You know, it's expensive uh, to raise children. You know, it's it's a huge thing to to raise children. And, you know, parents do it or should do it out of love because they want to love their, their child and they want, you know, the best for them. And you think about a child who, you know, what, 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 what that should do, the, the child should love its parents because, I mean, not just because of the sacrifice that they made, uh, but, you know, they should respond to that love. And we know that when a child doesn't respond, actually, that that's a that's a bad thing. We can recognise that. I always think one of the one of the most moving songs by the Beatles is She's Leaving Home. And that that song always gets me, you know, because it's it's the story of, you know, a, a young woman who just leaves home and the parents, you see it from their perspective. And it said, you know, we. Um, sacrificed most of our lives and we gave her everything that money could buy and she's just you know left home she doesn't even tell them she just leaves a note on the table and goes you think about the ingratitude that that shows for everything that they had done for her and that's what it's like with God if, if we don't respond to God's mercy with with love you know, if we don't respond to God's mercy, it actually shows that we're not grateful at all for it. And it, it shows really that we don't belong to him if we don't respond to his mercy. So how we respond to God's mercy is really important. And that's what Paul is, is talking about. 
And there are uh, two key points which I just wanted to, to mention before we move on about what he says, which is that we should offer our bodies, he says, as a living sacrifice. Now, this would have been something that was, you know, in those days might have been a little bit, you know, controversial. Because it, in those days, in certain circles, and you can see this all the way through history that people have been saying this kind of thing, that being spiritual meant, you know, getting away from the body. Like the body is kind of sinful, and that to be godly and to be spiritual, you needed to, to get away from it. And Paul is not having any of it. You know, he says, now offer your body as a sacrifice. You know, your body belongs to God. It's not just our, um, you know, the way that we think. It's not just our souls that, that matter to God. It's our bodies too. It's how we use our bodies. You know, we use our bodies for good or for ill. We can use our bodies for love or we can use them for, for evil. And that's what Paul is saying. We need to, it's our bodies, how we use our bodies, which is, uh, which is important. That's how we express um, the difference that, um, that, that, that God, God's mercy has made to us. And he says that we should offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We can just give ourselves, our, our whole selves to God. Now, it's not like in the old days, you know, the Old Testament, where, um, you know, that they would offer bulls and goats and, and what have you on the altar in the temple. Those are sacrifices, but now we don't have to offer those sacrifices anymore because Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice to God. Uh, we, the only sacrifice that God asks of us is just our, our whole selves, just giving ourselves completely, body and soul, to God and saying to God, I offer myself to you, take me as I am and, and use me for whatever you want uh, to, to use me for. You know, help me to, to love you, to love others, and I just dedicate myself and my life to you. That's really what it means in a nutshell, just to, to dedicate ourselves uh, to God. And we've just um, gone, through, uh, gone through Christmas, and I don't know if you sang any Christmas carols over the, the Christmas period, but um, you know, think about in the bleak midwinter, um, you know, which is apparently the, the late Queen Elizabeth's favourite Christmas carol. But I, I'm not too much of a fan of it because it's quite sort of romantic and, you know, what have you. But there is a line in it. It says, you know, what can I give him poor as I am? You know, it says, if I were a wise man or a shepherd, I could bring these things. But all I can give him is my heart. You know, what I can I give him? Give him my heart. That's, that's the thing. You know, we can't bring to God you know, we don't have anything to bring to God. We just can bring him ourselves as we are and give that to him. And, and that's what God wants from us. So Paul then uh, moves on in verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, that's something significant because this world does have a pattern doesn't it? You know, that this world tries to, um, it has a certain way of doing things. And that what Paul is saying is don't go along with the way of doing things which, which this world does, but instead do what God wants. I think it's important to spend a moment dwelling on this because it's, 
we need to remember that the world, the world's ways of doing things are very, very powerful. Let me just quote you here a sermon from um, uh, a, a bishop called Hugh Latimer. He was actually martyred in uh, 1555, but he is, um, was a, a, a sort of a well-known preacher of the day. He was a bishop of uh, Worcester and uh, he was a very good and you know preacher and I th I, when I read this to you you'll you'll think oh that feels not very good um, that's kind of what I get when I read this because you know Hugh Latimer he he had the you know he he was good with words um, and was very kind of you know <laughs> uh, fiery but I think this is good this is what he had to say and now I would ask a strange question who is the most diligentest bishop and prelate in all England that passeth all the rest in doing his office. I can tell, for I know him who it is. I know him well. But now I think I see you listening and hearkening that I should name him. There is one that passeth all the other, and is the most diligent prelate and preacher in all England. And will you know who it is? I will tell you. It is the devil. He is the most diligent preacher of all other. He is never out of his diocese. He is never from his cure. You shall never find him unoccupied. He is ever in his parish. He keepeth residence at all times. You shall never find him out of the way. Call for him when you will. He is ever at home. The diligentest preacher in all the realm. He is ever at his plough. No lording nor loitering can hinder him. He is ever applying his business. Uh, his business. You shall never find him idle. I warrant you. And his office is to hinder religion to maintain superstition, to set up idolatry, to teach all kinds of popery. He is ready as he can be wished for to set forth his plough, to devise as many ways as can be to deface and obscure God's glory. Oh, that our prelates would be as diligent to sow the corn of good doctrine as Satan is to sow cockle and darnel. So what Latimer is saying is that, um, you know, Satan is the most diligent bishop in all, well, all the world, that this is something that's fundamental to grasp, that, you know, whenever you turn on the TV, whenever you read the newspaper, whenever you look at the internet, whenever you look at the, the media, you know, unless it, it is sort of Christian, the world is somehow preaching its values to you. That's the thing. The world is preaching its values to you and, and, and Satan. We need to recognise that the world preaches its values to us and we need to be on guard against it. And that is what Paul means here uh, when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, knowing that this world has a pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how we resist. We need to be transformed as our minds are renewed. And what that really means is our minds are renewed by God's word, by the Bible. You know, this is what renews our minds. This is what helps us to, to recognise uh, where the world is preaching its values to us and, and what God's values are. This is what it says, Psalm 119, uh, verse 11, where the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Now that is how we recognise the world's values, when we, we know God's word well. And the better we know the Bible, the more that we will know what God's will for us is. And that, that's why Paul goes on to say, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It's when we know the Bible better. And people sometimes ask, well, how do I know God's will for my life? And, you know, I mean, sometimes there are specific things that God wants us to do, um, you know, and God can make that clear to us. But generally speaking, the answer is we need to, to read the Bible. You know, we need to know what God has to say to us in his word. That is how we, we know God's will for our lives, through, through the word. So how should we be like? Well, let me just quote you from um, um, from the book of Peter. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Uh, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. Now you think about how much a newborn baby needs milk. Know, needs its, its mother's milk that you know that they 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 need it every few hours at the beginning every two or three hours to begin with that is how much we should crave God's word that we should crave that you know that input from God we should you know want him want his word as much as a newborn baby wants wants milk that doesn't mean we need to stop and read the Bible every two or three hours, um, but it, it does mean that we need to, to have that desire for him and for his, his word and for his will in our lives just, just as much. So that's the, the overview, if you like. That is the overview of how the gospel should make a difference in our lives. But what Paul is turning to now is the kind of more practically what that looks like and we're going to be thinking about that in different ways over the coming weeks and so the, the uh, verses three to eight this uh, this last section that we're looking at today he's talking about the way that we use our gifts and he says verse three for by the grace given me i say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So again, we have this, this sort of message that humility is the key thing. You know, humility in the face of God's plans, that is the key thing which, uh, which we need. And we saw humility last, uh, last week, didn't we? But again, it, it comes up. We need to think of ourselves you know, not more highly than we ought to, but with sober judgment. And we need to remember our place and we need to, to remember that even the faith that we have is actually a gift from God, that we can't take credit for having great faith. Uh, but even you know, the, the faith that we have is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift. Um, and Paul goes on, he says, just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So what Paul is saying is that God does not save a, I think people sometimes use the phrase about, you know, like football or something, or team sports, you know, a team of individuals where 
every player on the team is just an individual and isn't really thinking, working as part of the team. That's not what God does. You know, when God saves us, he saves us into a body. You know, we're not saved as isolated individuals. And in fact, I think one implication of this, which is important to say, is that you cannot be an isolated Christian. No, you cannot be an isolated Christian, you know, one who is just you know, on your own um, without any other Christians around. Now, some people, you know, if, if Christians are persecuted, you're in you know, a country where Christians are persecuted, perhaps, you know, that may be the way that it has to be, unfortunately, um, for a while. But particularly in, in this country where we, we are free to go to church, to meet with other Christians and so on, then, you know, we must do to, to, to not, not do that is to misunderstand the whole point of what it means to be a Christian. Now, God is it's not just about you and your relationship with God, that God is actually bringing about a, um, you know, a, a new people, a body. It's sometimes called, you know, by various different names, a family, the body, you know, it, it's lots of different names, but it's, it's the church is fundamental to what God is doing. That's the main thing that uh, you are God's gift to the church, that God calls all of us to a church and he, he gives us gifts to be used to benefit others, to benefit the church. And your gifts are given to you to serve the body. That's what Paul is, is saying. Now, your gifts, whatever they may be, uh, whether they be physical, whether they be, you know, skills or anything like that, your gifts are given to you so that you can use them humbly to serve others. And everyone has a place. You know, it's not that some people have got really good gifts and other people have got mediocre gifts and, you know, the, the, the people with really good gifts are at the top. But, you know, everyone has a place. And that's something I've seen actually over the years in churches, you know, that everyone, when the church is working well, that everyone does have a place and it just fits together beautifully. So what kind of gifts is Paul uh, talking about? And this is what he finishes off with verses um, six to eight. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And he mentions um, different kinds of gifts. You mentioned spiritual gifts as well as practical gifts, but this is not meant to be an exhaustive uh, list. You know, there are obviously many, many uh, different kinds of gifts and it would be, you know, he'd go on for ages if you mentioned all of them. But he mentions, for example, prophesying. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Uh, if it is serving, then serve it. If it's teaching, if it is teaching, then teach. So all of those things are kind of like, you might say the spiritual um, gifts, you know, the, the gifts of teaching, if, if you know, being up the front or, or leading a Bible study or something like that, you know, that that is in the New Testament, that is a gift if you're able to teach the Bible to others or if you're able, I think prophesying perhaps, it's if you're able to help other people, you know, um, know more about God and know more about God's will uh, for them. I think some people do have a particular gift to help other people, you know, um, hear from from God um, we won't go into all, all of what prophesying prophesying means uh, now and what it doesn't mean never contradicts the Bible um, by the way that's something which is re really important to say 
And so there are sort of spiritual gifts, but then there are also practical gifts. And he goes on to mention some of those too. He says, if, if it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously, and so on and, and so forth. Uh, and those gifts, I mean, I found those gifts immensely bene uh, beneficial you know, in my life, that there was someone in our old church who I really think has had the gift of encouragement. And she was, a, you know, an old lady. Um, but, you know, she, whenever we, we had a conversation, she would always encourage me. She would always tell me how much she appreciated me, how much she appreciated my ministry. And, you know, every time I spoke to her, it was like, you know, God gave me a boost. Now, that was the thing, you know, the spiritual gift of encouragement, don't overlook it. You know, it's from God and it's, it's a gift to be able to encourage others. And, you know, giving... And again, I've been the, the beneficiary of people's generosity. I can think of um, uh, several people actually who have been very hospitable and who've been very generous to me and, and to us as a family. And I think that is a particular gift as well. You know, if you're able to welcome people into your home, if you have a sort of particular ministry uh, and so on and so forth. So there are many, many different gifts. You know, there are spiritual or inverted commas spiritual gifts. There are practical gifts. The point is not the specifics of the gift that we have, but whether we are using them to benefit others and to, to serve the body of Christ, which is, is the church. You know, not kind of an institution, not just a, you know, a building, but the people. That's, that's what the church is. It's not a building. It is the people. And that's the thing which is fundamental, I think, about these gifts, you know, that they're all relational, aren't they? You know that a gift at the end of the day, it's not there just for you, but it is there for you to benefit someone else. That's what a gift is, is given for. And I think this is where we have to have a real mindset change from the way that the world does things. You, know, you think actually back to what we were saying about the, the way that the world you know, tries to squeeze you into its mould, you know, the way that the world has a, a mindset. What the world's mindset is, is that you've just got to do everything for yourself. You know, you've got to have a nice house and a nice car, and you've got to, you know, do, fulfill your dreams, your ambitions, everything you want to do. But actually, God's mindset is different. It's saying, what can I give? How can I live so that I will be a blessing to others? How can I live so that I will benefit other people? And actually, that is uh, the most fulfilling and happy kind of life that it's possible to live as well. You know, God doesn't want us to be unhappy, but actually we find fulfillment and joy and peace and happiness through giving to others, through loving other people. And that's the, the, the real thing. But you know, this is the contrast to the world. It's a, it's a complete change around. This is why it's so important to be transformed by studying the Bible. So let's, I, I know that there's been a lot to, to take in in this sermon and I hope that it's been you, know, you can take and remember some of these things but let me just um, run over the, the key things for us to think about in this uh, in this coming week so the, the the first thing is that our response to God's grace and to God's mercy is to offer ourselves completely to him we must respond to God's mercy and we respond to it by just offering ourselves to him that's that's all we can do and it's something which is really important to understand. 
is that we can only offer ourselves as we are, not ourselves as we would like to be. We can only offer ourselves as we are, not ourselves as we would like to be. There's a line in the, um, the marriage service, the Church of England uh, marriage service in the vows, where it says, all that I am, I give to you, and everything that I have, I share with you. And I always find, I, th I think those two lines, some of the most moving in, in the service. But it, you think, you know, you can't give what you don't have, and you can't offer something that you're not. Now, all you can do is offer the person that you are to God and the things that you have to God. You know, you can't offer gifts that you don't have. You can't offer, you know, and so on. And something which is really, over the last few years, I think I've come to understand is that God wants to use you, you know, not someone that you, you want to be. You know, we will change by God's grace, um, but you can only offer him as you are and just give that to him and allow God to change you and allow God to use you. You know, that's the important thing. You know, not, we can't offer someone that we're not. We can't offer things that we don't have. Just offer yourself as a living sacrifice. The second thing is that we are transformed by the word of God. That's the thing in the end which does its work in our, in our lives. And I'd like to share with you a, a verse from um, the book of, uh, of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. This is actually a verse, thinking about Bible college, this is a verse which the principal of the college shared with us as we, just as we left the college, or these two verses. And it's something that I'd like to share with you, as it, it really, um, they mean a lot to me. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, this is what it says. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word does its work. You know, think about how the rain and snow come from heaven and they water the earth and the plants grow. That's how it is with God's word and us. You know, the word goes in, we read it, we pray about it, we try to live it out. And, and, and as we, we do all of those things, it, it buds and sprouts and grows and flourishes and turns us into a, you know, a beautiful garden, you know, a beautiful plant, something like that. And that's the word of God doing its work in our lives. And the final thing to remember is just to, to remember that we need to be people who are eager to serve, that we need to to pray for and be seeking that mindset change, you know, when we're not just looking, looking out for number one, looking out for, you know, us and for our own families and, and what have you, but that we're looking for how we can serve the body, how we can serve the church, how we can help uh, in, in all sorts of different ways. And there are lots of ways of doing that. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, that there's only one way of doing it. Just pray and, and offer yourself to God see what your interests are, see what, what opportunities come up, see where God leads you. And I'm sure God will lead you to the way that he wants you to be serving. He has done with, with me, he's done with many other people. God will lead us if we just offer ourselves to him. Let's take a moment to pray as we close. And so Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to respond to your grace 
we pray that you would help us to offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. And uh, please help us to offer ourselves every day. Help us to be transformed as we read your word. Help us to uh, not fit into the world's mould anymore, but help us to be transformed and see things from your perspective. See how you want us to live, your will for our lives. And we pray that you would help us to be transformed in how we use our gifts, the, the things that you've given us to serve other people. Please give us, you know, lead us and direct us and help us to know how you want us to do all of those things. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.